What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Round Tripper here on 89.1 WXVU. It is Monday, March 18th, and we're back. It's been yep. a while. It's been a couple weeks, a little hiatus, but we're back. So here, joined alongside by Conrad Bear and Matt Wood. Ben Moy might be calling in a little later. Is he calling in? It's that's what it sounds like. Oh, oh boy. Benjamin. Yeah, so th- this could be this could be something else. But us, uh, so how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Just, we're good. We're, School's back in session, you know? Oh, yeah. School is back in session. I don't like school. How, how's, that, uh, how's the macro econ treating you? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Office hours helped today. It really did. That homework is awful. Yeah, it's not my favorite homework we've ever done. So, oh, boy. Um, office hours is definitely good. How, what do you think of office hours, Conrad? Can you give us a breakdown? Uh, oh. Registration for classes is Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday. I'm Thursday. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, my registration my registration time is Thursday. I'm meeting with my advisor Wednesday night. I found out hey. today that I got a new advisor. Oh, that's no, good. No one told me about it. Oh. <laughs> the the econ department's killing it. Yeah, it's <laughs> not at all actually. <laughs> nice. When do you register? On Wednesday. Of course. Oh, that's right. You're an athlete. You're Wednesday at seven thirty. Yeah. Can you fill some classes for me? Yeah, please. Oh, you can't say that on your end. Oh, yeah, never mind. That, that has that. never no, happened before. No one, no one has ever wink, done wink. that. Wink, <laughs> Yeah, wink, wink. So like I said, we're back. Uh, first show since spring break. So that's really nice. Getting things going. Thank you for listening. Connor, Jules, Shan, Jordy, Megan, Rebecca, Joe, Bird, Stahl. Happy birthday, Fiona Corkill. Uh, Mom, Dad, Bears, Woods, the Moyes. And a special thank you to Marie, Joe, and Johnny for giving us a, a roof that last yep. night of spring break, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. Yeah, so thank you to you guys. Announcements were, as you know, we are on iTunes and Spotify. So just search Round Tripper and we will come right up. Subscribe. Never have to miss anything. So, mm-hmm. hey, that's pretty great. As as Megan pointed out, though, there's no music in that because I have to cut it out for copyright. And I apologize. It's okay. You get to listen to our beautiful voices. 24/7. I was going to say the exact same thing. Thank you. Right, <laughs> Megan? Like, come on now. <laughs> Tell me the music is better than us talking. Great minds think alike. Uh, you know? uh, so you get our voices instead. And then finally, cool thing to say, the phone line is open using Skype. <laughs> Which Benjamin Moy might be calling Moy is probably calling in tonight. So you, on the boat. Can you imagine that? He's at rowing practice uh, right now. Please what if they finish the their practice and he's on the boat and he calls? That would be so funny. Oh, my God. Please call from the boat, Moy. <laughs> but, yeah, so you can it just shoot me a text and you can Skype in Patrick Zhang 315 all lowercase, and we can have you on the show. All right. Any uh, Anything I missed there? Thank you, God, everybody. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. All right. So expectations are a funny thing. We set them, we strive for them, and a lot of the time we change them. The bar has been set by Villanova teams of years past, and wow is it high as we entered the season. Two national titles in three years. Back-to-back Big East tournament championships, more wins than programs like Duke, Carolina, and Kansas. Jay Wright's team has been at the top of the mountain. Then there was this year. The excitement of reopening our brand new home on campus, along with Phil Booth and Eric's time to shine, was met with an equal amount of question marks. Who will be the third scoring option? How can this team win with DiVincenzo and Spellman bolting for the NBA early? Where do the freshmen fit in? The bar was lower, and understandably so. And finally, is this the year that Villanova falls from its Big East perch? No, it's not. We've seen Colin Gillespie grow into a dangerous catch-and-shoot option. He's third on the team in scoring with over 11 points per game and leads the team in three-point percentage at 38%. The elevation of our boy Clips kicked in midseason as Jermaine Samuels became a rebounding force down low as a stretch four and even found a little bit of confidence from beyond the arc. And then there's the growth of Sadiq Bey, who has turned into part of the foundation of this program in just his first year as the intelligent wing has loads of potential both as a rebounder, a defender, and as a three-point option. Add all that together, and you have your Villanova Wildcats as the first team in Big East history to claim three consecutive Big East tournament titles, along with their regular season crown. My point is this. The season's already a success before we even get into the NCAA tournament. Eric and Phil got their moments. We saw the younger guys struggle, but most importantly, we saw them improve. No matter what happens Thursday night, this team already has two trophies to its name. Three, if you want to count the Advocare Invitational in November in Disney, because that was cool, right? And we beat Florida State, and they're a four seed. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with three. <laughs> it's a great time to be a Wildcat. And that gets us into our Big East Tournament recap. So, just since the last time we've been on, Villanova wrapped up a regular season title. Well, by default, thank you to Mar- the Marquette Golden Eagles. Fell into that one. Yeah, thank yep. you to the Marquette Golden Eagles for sending a gift to the main line and uh, another trophy into the trophy case. 
And Villanova, as I said, took home third consecutive tournament title. So just to touch on uh, on the games, uh, start with Providence on Thursday. Noon game, 73-62 Cats win. Kind of a game that Villanova was in control the whole way through, but Providence stuck around. Any Any thoughts from that game? It was just they forced uh, 18 turnovers mm-hmm. in that game, so I think that was really a really big key to that, and they only only had 12 themselves. was still a high number, but still won that turnover battle, and I think that's uh, really important because that's really what set them up after getting out to a slow start the first few minutes. Um, they forced eight turnovers and 11 possessions out of Providence, and that was able to give them the control that they just kept the rest of the way. Yeah, my thing with Providence is that while this is a down year for them, they're the kind of team and the kind of program coached by Ed Cooley at mm-hmm. Providence, um, who's he's been around the block before. And yep. any team that has a good coach, regardless of how of the talent, a coach can win you games come tournament time, and especially when your team's playing inspired. So while Providence is a team that Villanova absolutely should win, and as we saw, they were mm-hmm. ahead the entire time. Might not might not be a blowout. Um, it's a good win considering considering what Providence's backing is and what they're reputation is as a as a program it's like they're no they're no slouch of a team even though if this was considered a down year for them yeah i agree it, it's it is a down year for providence but as you said ed cooley one of the best coaches in the big east uh they've got building blocks in there and alpha diallo nate watson david duke aj reeves really good players uh just they weren't really able to find their shooting stroke especially from three only shot 25 percent uh eric was huge that game 20 and 10 uh, mostly 7 of 10 from the free throw line. Felt like in the Big East tournament, he was really driving to the hoop a lot. This is a constant over the three games, which is huge because he's so big, he's so physical, and he's so athletic that people can't guard him, which I'll get into more uh, in the in the Seton Hall game. And didn't, just an interesting note to point out, too, from minutes distribution-wise, Swider got 15 minutes, tripled the mim- minutes of Joe Cremo in that game. So maybe Jay's starting to see that Cremo is probably not worth it to have out there at this point. Or maybe he always knew that, but Swider was hurt, Ooh. so he was forced to stick with his guns and go with Cremo for a while. I like that. I like that a lot. So, uh, fun fact with Cremo, he did not score a point in the Big East tournament. Don't <laughs> don't want to kill him too badly, but that is a fact. Maybe not a fun fact. He did have, as Conrad pointed out, and as my dad pointed out at games, he had two really nice bounce passes to yes. set up Barry Pascal. So that's awesome. He yeah, impacted in that way. Uh, the defense wasn't horrific uh, during the tournament. He stood. He was on Miles Powell actually way more than he should have been, but he stayed with him uh, in that in that championship game. But I do think it's time that I'd rather see Swider out there. He's a bigger body. He can still shoot the threes. I understand he's not as quick as Cremo, but Cremo's not all that quick either. So I'm okay with Swider getting the 15 minutes compared to Cremo's five. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. I think. It offers a better option because I think we found out that Joe Cremo really isn't doing anything. And since he's not going to be here next year, it's better to get Cole Swider some of those minutes in a tournament format to see, get him used to it so that next year maybe it's not as much of a surprise to him. Um, and I think, especially at this point, looking forward to the future with him is more important than Joe Cremo in his last uh, handful of games here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cole Swider and Joe Cremo are, are very similar players. They're both. They're both wings that that can shoot really well, and when while Cole Swider is a freshman who just came off an injury, you'd rather, you'd like to get him some reps, and he's he's a very good player, and obviously he's been showing that in his recent play time. Um, it makes more sense to play Cole Swider in the long run for this team. Joe Cremo's had his moment. We've kind of we've seen what he's been able to mm-hmm. do. He hasn't been the the bright shining light that we thought he would when he when he transferred here. No, but Cremo has fit in nicely to the team mold, which is of course important. But unfortunately, the plan on the court hasn't reached it, which is why I'm okay with Swider then going. So moving on to the Xavier game. A game that Villanova, I'm not sure how Villanova won, but they pulled yeah. it out. So, actually, the big thing for for me to highlight in that is that in the second half, Villanova held them to 24 points. And that was it. The defense really doubled down and really honed in on Xavier. Paul Scruggs had probably the game of his life with 28 points. He just, no one was stopping him uh, that night. But for Xavier, Villanova started to take away the inside. And for Xavier to shoot three, Xavier's not a very good three-point shooting team. And it really showed in the second half. So Xavier finished at 21% uh, from three. Game went into overtime. Villanova outlasted them there. Uh, big three-pointers from Phil Booth and Jermaine Samuels at the top of the key in his <laughs> spot, as we call it. So uh, any any thoughts on this one? Uh, just really from that one was how many, how, how big of an impact Jermaine was able to have on that game because he had four offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. And 17 points 
He was really able to be a force in that game, even though uh, Xavier's big guy, Zach Hankins, kind of for parts of that game, looked like a, a real problem inside and nothing was and happening. Was. Yeah. Um, but then Jermaine and uh, Demir were able to kind of shut him down a little bit in that second half, and I think that was a really big part of that one. Yeah, this game showed showed everyone that Villanova has the ability to close, and they got they got leaders on a team that can. Can you believe that? That is a rookie. Anyone who's right heard that kind of sneeze? The man has mid, been on the radio since August of last year and just sneezed into was, our microphone. I, I did not oh sneeze into the microphone. I turned away. I don't know what else to talk about anymore. I completely forget. You just messed up the entire flow. Are you kidding me? You can't stop a sneeze if you hold it in, your eyes are coming out. Matthew, continue. Can you believe this? My God. What are we talking about? Pat? I don't even know anymore. I can't what? remember. We're probably talking about, talking like about the soccer. golf. What are we talking about? <laughs> soccer? Almost. No, that's the Xavier game. Xavier game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, this game showed that Villanova down the stretch has seniors that that can close a game when it matters, and that's important when it comes to, when it comes March Madness tournament time. This game, they weren't winning the entire game. They were down from basically the onset, and they fought back, fought back, fought back. They kept leaving each other. Phil Booth played huge in the game, made some key buckets late, and they they showed that they can grind out and win games that they have no reason to win. They did not deserve to win this game yep. at all. They did not look good for the majority of the game, yet they still pulled it out. I'm glad you are able to get that point across because some people tried to stop that. I, I, I almost didn't. I almost <laughs> gave up on it and moved on. I was unbelievable. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Booth is a perfect person to, to talk about in that game. 28 points, of course, a team high there. But what was really important for Booth was that he drove a lot in that game. He they, Jay even admitted it after the game. They just put the ball in Phil's hand and told him to make decisions. And so Phil was taking guys one-on-one and kicking out. He was able to find Samuel, was able to find Bay. Um... So, and it was interesting because we've talked about Booth as that point guard role before the season, and the results usually weren't great, but he did a really, really good job on Friday night, and he deserves the credit there and racked up 28 points to go with it and really led the Cats to a, to a, another championship appearance. I'll be honest, Pat, it was really difficult to process what you just said after that sneeze. I'm I still agree. Listen, I'm still distracted as all right, well. All right, all right. I'll leave. I'll leave. Jeez oh, Louise, My man. God. It's like there's like a like a force field or something blocking anything that comes in the ear, these ears at any point. I'm just hearing that sneeze over and over again. Oh, I can sneeze again if no, you no, unbelievable. No, no, maybe add some coughs. Yeah, I could definitely see you as a big cougher on here. <laughs> just my god. And onto the my god. onto the championship game on Saturday. <laughs> oh my god! At the Garden, 74-72, Villanova defeated Seton Hall. Uh, Cats led for most of it. Seton Hall did uh, hop in front in the second half. Uh, Sadiq Bay, gigantic game from Bay. 16 points, 10 boards. Kids a freshman, as we say every single time here, how impressed we are, including a huge box out there when Seton Hall was going for the lob at the end after that. I could use some very choice words to describe the travel that was called on Phil Booth, but I will not. So Seton Hall went with an an inbound alley-oop. Bay boxed out Mamu and ball hit off the rim before Samuels knocked away to run out the clock. So, again, on Sadiq Bay, what more can you want from this kid? He is a freshman, and he's so intelligent, and he's so important for this team. Yeah, he, he was really big in that game, especially, like you said, in that last defensive play. But really, throughout, there was there's a bunch of dunks that kind of changed the momentum, kind of got the Cats back on track. Um, but, yeah, with the combination of him and Samuels in the, in the last two games of this tournament, um, really came up huge of trying to find that third guy besides uh, Phil and Eric to really get something done, and they both came up big. Um, and that actually leaves me really excited for what they can do, especially next year when they're they're probably going to be called on a lot more next year. Here's some food for thought. So Sadiq, Sadiq Bay, phenomenal player, obviously he's a freshman, playing, playing absolutely out of his mind compared mm-hmm. to what he's expected when he came here, right? He was expected yep. to come here to Villanova. And be maybe a rotation guy, might redshirt, maybe redshirt sure. might not play that much at all. You know, who knows who he's going to be. He's very far, fastly outperformed expectations. Is he an NBA guy or hmm. is he the kind of guy that's a really solid college guy, like a Phil Booth, a similar kind of player who worked his way up? Remember Phil Booth a few years ago, they won the first national championship. He was the sixth man off the bench, played phenomenal in the uh, in the championship game, has worked his way up the rotation. Now we see him doing great things, but no one's ever really thought of him as an NBA guy. Mm-hmm. Is Sadiq Bay kind of does he fall into that mold, or does he fall into the mold of a maybe not Mikael Bridges to an extent? Because Mikael Bridges' frame is Just obviously a, a lot freakish athlete. Is obviously yeah. a lot different yeah. than Sadiq Bay, but Mikael Bridges was a guy that wasn't expected much when he first got here. And Just he look at of, the picture of Mikael when he first got exactly. here. Exactly, skinny kid, and he developed into who, who he was by his junior year. 
um, into a, into a top ten pick in the NBA draft. Does Sadiq Bay fit the mold of Phil Booth, or does he fit the mold of Mikael Bridges? Me personally, I would say he fits more the mold of a Phil Booth, just from the sense that athletically, nothing really uh, stands out and amazes me. Which on the NBA, everyone's bigger, faster, mm-hmm. stronger, like they always say. Which is why Mikael can be so good at that level because he was more or less drafted off his frame than anything else, being the tenth overall pick. And sure. Sadiq Bay doesn't have that at all. Um, so right now, from what I've seen, he's vastly outperformed what his abilities are now and he's playing so well that it's worth having this conversation yes um but to me right now he, i would say i would say he's a very much a really good college guy that if he keeps improving his game might he, he could he, he can definitely warrant an nba pick but will he be one of those top level draft picks mm-hmm. i don't know about that sure i think uh that's a really interesting uh point but i think i think he's kind of in the middle of that because i think he if he takes the part of like mikhail that you see in his game which is where he's he improved so much over just one summer, basically. You project that over a couple of years. I think he can work himself into a, a top um, first round pick you in said the NBA. If he follows like the level of growth he's at, yes. now, right? Because he spiked yeah. out of nowhere from senior year to freshman. Which obviously college, you right? can't you can't assume that's going to happen. But yeah. let's just say it happens um, that he's able to develop his game. He's able to get a better three point shot. Um, he's already a very, very good defender. He keeps up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think he could be a first round pick. Do I think he's going to be a lottery pick like Mikhail? No. no, because like you said, his frame isn't isn't as freakish as Mikhail's. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he I think he could be more of a prospect for the NBA than Phil Booth is because right now Phil Booth is a fifth year senior and he, he's basically not getting really any looks. I think he's going to warrant more looks than that and mm-hmm. kind of almost be like Pascal where he's getting. He's getting some looks from some guys and maybe late first round, early second round. Um, but I think he does have the potential if he's able to. I'm assuming his work ethic is ridiculous if he's able to he, make this kind exactly. of jump. He's proven that he's, um, he's And anybody with enough. that work ethic, I think, has a shot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I do think Bay's got NBA potential. Now, I don't see him as a lottery pick, uh, yeah. as what we were talking about there. But what I, what I think is also really going to help Bay is that you're seeing players like Hart and Brunson that aren't crazy physical players. Jalen Brunson is National yeah. Player of the Year and is a second-round pick because he's not the athlete in the frame. Yes. Exactly. I think you're seeing that these cerebral players from Villanova can turn into good role players in the NBA. So for that reason, I can see Bay being a top end of the second round back first round. Again, a lot of work to do for him. The yeah. thing but, with Sadiq Bay that he's going to have to figure out moving into the next few and then the next years down the line is when he starts to become the focal point of the offense. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the focal point, but he looks as, as more of one a of the key on the guys. Team. Sure. Yeah. The, then, the, then that's really when the pressure gets mounted because right now there's no pressure on him. He's a he's a freshman who wasn't supposed to do anything, you know. Yeah. And when yeah. he's not performing that, he's, he hasn't all these expectations on him. Wait for him to get some expectations on him to see how he handles that. Yeah. Sure. No. Absolutely. And then going back with the cats. <clears throat> so Phil Booth was named player of the tournament. For Booth, he is the fourth Wildcat to be named Big East uh, Most Outstanding Player. That goes with Josh Hart times two, Mikael Bridges, and Kerry Kittles. He now has a record uh, of 127-19 and 19 as a Villanova Wildcat, Phil Booth. So we hear about the winning. There it is. He will set the record for most games played as a Villanova Wildcat on Thursday in the game against St. Mary's, which we'll get into in the next segment. And on Villanova, they have won nine of the last 12 Big East regular season slash Big East tournament titles. Nine of the last 12 have gone to the main line. Is that a, is that, does that speak to how good Villanova is or how mediocre both, the, yeah. the both. Big East is? Very Big much East. both. Because it, it's a it's a era of dominance for Villanova, but the Big East has also thrown up not too many challengers. Here's a different question. If Jay Wright, take Jay Wright and put him at Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Is Georgetown more successful than what Villanova is now? Is it, is, is, is Villanova obviously their product of Jay Wright's coaching ability? Sure. But is Villanova a product of their geographical region and being able to recruit guys in Pennsylvania, Philly yeah. area, New York area to an extent too? Or if you take Jay Wright, you stick him in Georgetown, they're recruiting the Maryland, the Baltimore, mm-hmm. that kind of area. Um, are they more successful? Are they less successful? Are they equally as successful? Georgetown probably has a better name than Villanova, I would say. Yeah, um, if you go historically, yes. So I think that would be an interesting question because – you see where Georgetown is right now, and they have been for a long time. They were kind of in that teetering point with John Thompson the third. It wasn't working. They finally got rid of him, brought in Ewing, and Ewing has made things exciting again there. So I got to think if Wright's there, I would say it's probably around the same level of success yeah. that you have here. Yeah. It's, it's hard to match. It's hard to it, obviously. That's, the, that's I, why I can't say it exceeds yeah. because how much farther I, I would can say you if go? You, if you discredit, so you can't really discredit, but to discredit the two national championships that we just yeah. took, 
being like the outliers in in terms of like Villanova's program history. Obviously, they've never, no one's ever done, and no one's ever done something like that before, right? Yep. Yeah. If you discredit those two as like the outliers and say they're like elite eight, final four teams, which is still obviously phenomenal stuff, um, is 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 that possible? Is Georgetown could be something like that? I would argue yes. I I would. I think so. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure, especially a, a team with a pedigree like like Georgetown, I could absolutely see which that. Which I think speaks speaks to the quality of coaching and recruiting that Jay Wright is is capable of, and how yeah. it's, no one else can do it. You know, exactly. Very few guys can do it. No, I completely agree. Any uh, any final points you want to get to for the Big East tournament? No, it's just, it's just coughing threw off my mojo. I'll say yeah, that. Sorry, what were you of, saying? Yeah, I'm well, well, I don't even know what I was. Saying. I don't. I don't know what I'm saying. I think I'll just sneeze again. All right. That means it's a good time to go to break. So this is Ryan Schiffer on 89.1 WXVU, and we're going to throw it to a quick break and get into an NCAA tournament breakdown. We'll be right back. Champion, Carrie Underwood, had to do it. Yeah. Just absolutely had to do it after taking home another Big East title. So getting in to March Madness, it's here. It is full on here. We had the bracket reveal yesterday. Villanova ended up as a sixth seed in the South region, taking on St. Mary's, St. Mary's Gales, at 7.20 p.m. on Thursday in Hartford, Connecticut. What are we looking for in this game? Where would you like <laughs> me to go through my breakdown? All uh, right. All right. What? So, you can go. Yeah, cool. All right. So, St. Mary's is an 11th <laughs> seed. They are 22-11, and 11, your West Coast Conference champions with a 69-62 win over San Diego, followed up by a 60-47 win over Gonzaga. Obviously, the win over Gonzaga. A little scary because Gonzaga is very, very good. When you think about it, Gonzaga only scored 47 points in that game. They average around 94 a game, so literally half. That yeah. that was a one-off. That's not going to happen. That either. was a one-off. So looking at their resume, they would not have gotten in if they did not win no. uh, this their conference tournament. They have only have two wins over tournament teams, New Mexico in December and Gonzaga in the championship game. To be fair, how many tournament teams do they play? Uh, I have that, actually. There's actually a decent number. I will read that off next. Um, but And then another thing to look at for Gonzaga, the first time they played them, they lost by 40. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Here you go. Yeah. Losses to tournament teams. And they lost to them, uh, I think, was it like a week and a half ago? Yes. They um, did by, by over 10. Yes. So. So losses to tournament teams, LSU, Mississippi State, UC Irvine, Utah State, and Gonzaga twice. Those were the other tournament teams that they played, and they lost to all of those. Interesting enough, though, they are 7-1 and one since February 14th, so they are on a little bit of a roll. Uh, they're led by their guard, Jordan Ford, who leads the team in scoring about 21.8 points per game. They also have a 6'8 sophomore, Malik Fitz. He's their second leading scorer, but after that, no one is over, I believe, even 8.5 points per game. So... It's those two guys. It's really Ford, which I think if you put Bay on him, because Bay use Bay's athleticism. Pascal actually came out and guarded Powell a lot. If you want to go back to Saturday, which I think is really interesting, because that's the nice thing you have with Pascal is that he can guard all these different positions, and he's a very good defender. So we'll see what Wright does there. An interesting comparison between the two teams, as we know, Nova plays very slow. They don't push the pace. Three hundred thirty third in the country. St. Mary's is below that, three hundred forty seven. So do not expect a high scoring game. On Thursday night, they're less experienced than Villanova, and that's you not saying much because we know that this Villanova team is not all that experienced after Booth and Pascal, but they're also very good at preventing offensive rebounds, which is something that Villanova has really been exploiting through Samuels, Cosby, Roundtree, and Bay of late. That's my St. Mary's breakdown. So getting into it, what do we think happens on Thursday night? I mean, I think I think Villanova's going to win because... Like what you said, both teams are very slow and um, St. Mary's is really focused on their one guy, their their guard Ford. And if you can shut them down with Pascal or Bay, they really don't really have besides their forward. Um, they really don't have any other options. So if you're able to do that and they're also not, they don't shoot as many threes as Villanova does. So if Villanova gets hot, they will be able to kind of run St. Mary's out of out of the water, but they do they do focus on trying to get the ball down low and scoring in the paint um, by taking almost twice the number of two point field goal attempts this year as Villanova did. So if if the threes aren't falling for Nova, Mount St. Mary's they're going to score the same they they really do anytime because they are not as reliant on that three ball. So. 
it, it, it comes down to how hot Villanova's shooting. Um, but I think either way, Villanova's going to win. Um, I think it'll be close, but uh, Villanova's going to win it. I'd say Villanova, in terms of seeding for this tournament, I would say we're a little... I thought they should have been a higher seed than a six seed, personally, yeah. especially after winning the entire Big East tournament. Um, granted, they didn't end the regular season all that well, but they're mm-hmm. still the Big East champs, too, with Marquette, with, what, three other three other Big East teams also making the tournament? Three others, yes. Um, so, that, I mean, that, that is kind of testament that there is some talent in the Big East. Um, but in terms of falling to a six seed, this is a gift of an 11 seed that you can get. This is a team, mm-hmm. that, yeah. a team that's not that's not making the tournament if they don't go out and get Gonzaga on the worst night Gonzaga's ever had, ever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so in terms of playing an 11 seed, this is probably the best 11 seed you can wish to play. Um, and it being in Hartford, Connecticut, which is exactly. relatively a home, a home game compared to, um, compared, well, it is a home game for this one. Where, yeah. for, for us, for, for it this, will be a home game. This particular game, because St. Mary's being on the West coast, um, all of that factored together, I would say Villanova pulls this out. Is it a blowout? I can't, I could not see it being a huge blowout. I can see him winning by eight, 10. I think it's, I think it's a very reasonable score, but in terms, but in terms of a matchup, this is this is the best possible matchup they could have gotten given the the seating that they were that they were. I I agree. I, I completely do think that this is the best matchup that they could have gotten. Also, I agree that I think Villanova probably should have been a five. Uh, but you look at Marquette; they got the five. One, they got put out west, which is a brutal region of a bunch of teams that are going to beat each other up. And they drew Murray State, which is a game yeah. that we'll get into uh, in a little bit. But so Villanova against St. Mary's there, I do think Nova is able to pull it out again, fueled by that. Pretty much home game going on at the XL Center in Hartford. They should be able to get through there. Looking at the South, their next potential matchup, of course, they have to win, but would be with a possible date with the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, Purdue started off the season six and five and then went on a run and ended up winning the Big Ten regular season title. They did lose in the Big East tournament, in the Big East, in the Big Ten tournament. They're not the strongest three, but. They can cause some problems, especially with Carson Edwards. Yeah, Carson Edwards is really good and uh, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And uh, to win the Big Ten, you gotta be you gotta be a really strong team because of how deep that was with Michigan, Michigan State, um, and then Wisconsin, who who made the tournament. And I'm pretty sure I'm missing somebody. But yeah, Purdue Purdue is a very good team, but there could be a lot worse of a three seed to be matched up in the second round against um i think that will also be a really good matchup but i i can see villanova winning that game as well sure all right so how far do we have villanova going i have all right so i've made two brackets and i try to be kind of differentiate them between the two mm-hmm. in case if one gets absolutely blown up i personally can see villanova making sweet 16 or making round 32 yes i, I see him beating st mary's i think it's Home game for Villanova. If anything, that's going to pull them out in the end. They're an experienced team. An experienced being that they have veteran leaders that can carry them to, to win in a close game. Purdue is going to be tight. Yes. Absolutely can see them losing to Purdue. Mm-hmm. I can see them squeaking one out and beating Purdue. I think that's, that's going to be a very, very close game. But rolling the dice on that game, I can't see them rolling the dice again and either beating a, a Tennessee or a Cincinnati or an Iowa, whoever they would, mm-hmm. whoever they would come up against. Any team that they're going to run into the next phase is going to be a... It's gonna be gonna really be a, tough. A, a, a serious problem. But again, Villanova's a championship pedigree team that they've they've been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the talent that they've had the years before. But could you see them making a run in the tournament? Absolutely. You can see a lot of teams making a run in the tournament. Yeah, sure. So I have them as well going to the Sweet Sixteen and then going out, which I had to deliberate over because it's that Purdue game. I do think Villanova gets by St. Mary's. Purdue Villanova beat a couple years ago. Obviously, a very very different team on both sides. But Nova. It's, it, just Nova's quickness, especially Pascal is the player to exploit in the, in every matchup because he's just so difficult to defend with how physical he can be down low along with a three point shot. And what it really comes down to is if Gillespie and Samuels are hitting their shots from outside, Nova's going to be a very, very tough out. If things go cold, this thing can end very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But I, so I have Villanova defeating Purdue and then uh, going to the sweet 16 and losing there. I've been losing to Tennessee yeah. in the sweet in the um in the sweet six. I haven't losing to Cincinnati. Yeah, or Cincinnati. Yeah, and I, then that's the reason I saved you for last. Oh yeah. So I had I just did one a quick one right before the show where I just went pure gut and gut. everything you do is pure. Gut. Most of the things I do is pure is Colgate gut. Making it or what? Yeah, Colgate's <laughs> making it to the final four. No, but going off pure pure gut, filling out the bracket in like two minutes. 
I had Villanova going to Elite Eight somehow. Not entirely sure how that happened, but I have them beating, um, obviously, St. Mary's and then Purdue in the second round and somehow getting past Tennessee. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't really understand that, but... Oh, that's, I, that's good logic. That's, uh, that's great. All right, I am feeling over going to Elite Eight. You're having six. a tough show right now, buddy. Between the cough, you're, you're a mess. you got, you got to pull it together. It's a rough day, okay? This is unbelievable. Oh, it's a God. rough day. I will say, though, that in terms of the fill out the bracket, I yeah. got is just as good as yeah, anything else. Yeah, exactly. Time, might so. as well go. So, I don't know. I'm expecting a big game out of Samuels against Tennessee in the Sweet I 16. And <laughs> they're going to Elite Eight where they're going to lose to Virginia because Virginia is very, very good. Okay. All right. So that's two Sweet Sixteens and an Elite Eight. So as Matt said, noted. All right. So one thing I want to look, or another thing I want to look at, just give me one matchup in each region that you are interested in. So we'll go region by region. Start with the East. Whoever wants to go first. First round matchup. Yeah. First round matchup. All right. Uh, Okay. Fine. You can go. You can go. You're coughing. You're. This is. You go. This is not going to work. Driving me nuts. I uh, all right. So in the uh, well, in the East region, uh, yeah. Louisville, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think right. I would say for two of us. Yeah, I would say Louisville is actually a really, really good team. I don't think they've gotten a lot of credit being a seven seed. Um, but at the same time, Minnesota's a very capable squad too. Out of all the first round matchups, um, Liberty, Mississippi State, another one that that yeah, makes me kind of curious. And I like seeing the Ivy League teams play. So Yale is playing against LSU in the first round too. But out of all of them, I would say Louisville, Minnesota, in terms of if I had to guess what a really competitive game is going to be, I would guess that's the game that's going to that's gonna do it. I, I totally agree. And it's got the added intrigue too of uh, Patino going yep. up against Louisville. Oh, uh, so Or Patino. So just that is the fun game for me. All right. So I also had that one for the Patino matchup there or the Patino Bowl. Yeah. Um, depending on how that goes. But I, I thought the most interesting from the East is going to be LSU-Yale. Let's go. Because I think LSU is a very talented team, and during the regular season went on went on a run. It was very strong in SEC play. But since their coach has been kind of away from the team and is trying to get back, there's zero chance he's getting back by this because of the <laughs> FBI stuff, and there's a tape of him saying some things yeah, that you're not allowed to say in college sports. Um, and Yale, obviously, the Ivy League team, somehow the tournament team they send it, send in every year, ends up being a pretty pretty good team. Yale, and be, I, Yale beat Harvard in the final game. Harvard, yeah, Harvard has three top 100 recruits. Yep. Yeah. Yale's not a bad team. Yale's, yeah, not Yale, bad. Yale's a good team, and LSU, the wheels have fallen off. Um, oh. so, so I just I just think that's a really interesting matchup. And then there's the also added intrigue of you could not pick two opposite schools of LSU <laughs> than Yale. Um, Shots fired! <laughs> My God, so someone's I got something against LSU. Yeah, I hope really your Wow, this is this performance out of this guy is something else. My God! Uh, all right. There we go. So, <laughs> you want some hot takes? We're going to the South, where I think we all have the same one here: uh, Wisconsin, Oregon. Yeah, it's just yeah. I, I, I it's uh. Matt was saying earlier on, on, on some gambling sites, it's just a one-point game, even though it's a 5-12 matchup. Uh, it is, I'll tell you right now, it is Oregon versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I I wasn't ready for this. Uh, All right. Sorry, oh, well. it's a, it's a, it's a one-point game. Uh, Oregon gets a point. So Wisconsin saves so Wisconsin minus and that, one. And that's a 5-12 matchup. Uh, Wisconsin, even though they're coming from a really good Big Ten this year, and Oregon's coming from a really bad Pac-12. Uh, Oregon's on a little bit of a hot street. Oregon's hot. And Wisconsin just doesn't really know how to score the basketball. Mm. So I think that'll be a really interesting matchup to see um, how, how that goes down and if there's any scoring. I think, yeah, I think Oregon wins that game as well. And again, it's going to be pace of play where Wisconsin likes to sit back, not really score very much, not good from the free throw line. <laughs> Oregon likes to push things. They're able to beat Washington, a team that plays very similarly to uh, to Wisconsin. So I think it leads to a fun matchup, and clearly the odds makers are saying it's going to be a good matchup with Wisconsin again being a five seed and only being a one point favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So moving yeah. on moving to on. the Midwest. Midwest. I think this is an easy one, or for me it was at least. But so I pick Seton Hall and Wofford. I think that game is going to be awesome. So Wofford. A lot has actually gone into Wofford this season. You've actually seen them a decent amount on ESPN, which is crazy. It's not just Duke. Nah, it's, well, it's mostly Duke. But so you have seen Wofford. Very good team. They got up to a seven seed 
as a non-power conference team. And they're going up against Seton Hall. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> you, got, you got a bug in your hair. It's, it's I got a, little, a bug. Yeah. You got a There's bug. A, bug. A, little, a, little, a little ant just flew Ooh. out of nowhere and landed on your head. Oh, that's, I see you both just staring at my head, and I was very concerned for a second there. So, all right. So, at least I'm not losing my mind. That makes me feel better. I think it ran away, the ant. I, I hope so. You I didn't hope. feel it. So. I don't know. That's... That's it might read. still be there. It might still be there. I don't know. So, yeah, Wofford and Seton Hall. It's a good matchup. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. And I pick Seton Hall to get past the Terriers. I got Wofford in that game. It's going to be close, but Wofford's going to win. They're on tw- Wofford 20 straight wins, just to point out. Yeah, that's why they're going to win. Yeah. yeah I, I got Seton Hall in that game, but I think I think that's going to be really close and, and a really good game on uh, was that Thursday night. Wofford also 18-0 in conference, 83 points per game. 17th in the BPI. That's pretty so good. That, that's a legit team. That That is a legit team. So it's going to be fun to uh, to watch that game. It's going to be a battle. Um, and But I do think Seton Hall pulls it out because Seton Hall's been hot. And then finally, in the West, what is our matchup to watch? Uh, all right. So there's an obvious one, and then there's one that I yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one that I like is I, like, I want to watch Buffalo because they've been ranked all year, and I've never mm-hmm. seen them play. I'm They're kinda, fun to watch. I'm kind of curious how good they actually are. So I'll, I'll be watching that game. Um, but I want. I what is the other big game? The other big oh, game is it, uh, Marquette Murray State. Cannot wait. Which is going to be electric. Like game game of the first round is a five twelve. Yes, and it's very everybody everybody knows it's the game of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Marcus Howard versus John ja Morant. Um, it's going to be two. Marquette at least at one point was a very good team. Who knows what's going on right now? Uh, Murray State is a very good team. I believe they only have four losses this year. So that's a really intriguing matchup to see uh, which stars better. Um, I think it's probably John Morant because he's going to go top three in the NBA draft. But um, Marquette's a little a little deeper than Murray State, but I think it's just going to be the star power in that game is just un- undoubtable and unquestionable. And it's going to be, uh, let's see what these two guys can do because they could both drop at least 30 easy. I'm with you. Easy. And I think they will. Like, like I absolutely. John like, Morant's they wake the, up and score 30. Yeah, John yeah. Morant's, other than the three Duke guys, the only other guys can talk about the top mm-hmm. yeah. four. John Morant's and there's a reason for the it. NBA draft. And he goes to Murray State. Yeah. yeah. So guy is, just this guy's ridiculous. And Marcus Howard, everyone knows who Marcus Howard is. Well, yeah. if you don't, he, he's, if you're listening five. to this show, yeah, you know who he, Marcus Howard is. He led is. the Big East in scoring kind of good. So, yeah, no, that, that matchup's going to be awesome. Kind of good. Kind of good. Kind of good. I actually have Murray State in my Sweet 16 losing to Gonzaga. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I've got Gonzaga, Florida State right now, but I'm going back and forth there. So that'll be a good one. Yeah, but Villanova beat Florida State. Florida State's no good. That, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so last one before we go to break. Give me your final fours. All right. Uh, oh, geez. Okay. Um. All right, I don't want to give away. All right, do, do I have to give away my pick to win the title? Yeah, no. Okay, my final fours I have right now are everyone's gonna have Duke. I got yeah. Duke too. I have yeah. Duke coming out of the East. Yep. Um, in the South, Villanova side of the bracket, I have Virginia coming out of there. Yeah. In the Midwest, uh, North Carolina is the one seed. Kentucky is the two seed. I'm taking Kentucky. And in the West, I have Michigan coming out of the West. We are very similar. Yeah, I, I only have I one different. Me too. I only have one. Well, okay, so, I so feel that, like Pat so, and I might have the same one. So that, that was. <laughs> right, so that, I'll, I'll be honest. That was whoa, my, whoa, whoa, no. Yes, because I've talked up this team all year. Yeah, so I'll be honest, exactly. That, that was exactly. my first. That was my first go at the bracket. All right. so that, that that's like kind of like my my picking all the favorites you now. And my other bracket that I have that is more of like a kind of who I think could be good. Murray State. I have Michigan State, Texas Tech, against Cincinnati and Kentucky again. I like I, that. I have to change, but yeah, I like that. That's what I got. Unreal. All right, I'm going to change mine up just so Pat doesn't get mad at me. Yeah, because I'm going to. Yeah, because so I'm going to go in a very, very heavy ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be Duke from the east, uh, Virginia from the south. And then I have Kentucky over UNC for the Midwest. Um, and then from the west, I got uh, actually Florida State. Whoa. Um, <clears throat> that one's a little out there. Is there any logic behind that at all? Or is that just a gut feel? Uh, just watching them through the back end of the ACC, ACC um, regular season through the ACC tournament and how well um, they played Duke the other night um, or the other day. 
Uh, I ju- I just think they they're they're getting there. They were they went very far in the tournament last year and returned most of their players. Um, so they got the tournament experience, and they're also they were able to kind of keep up with Duke for for most of that game. So I, I just think they're going to be able to do well in this tournament, and and that's why I have them go to the final four. Very fair. Fair. All right, and then I have Duke out of the East, as every other human being will have. I have Michigan State. In one of your brackets. Yeah. Well, I only have two. That's why. I, <laughs> I have Virginia coming out of the South. I also have Kentucky in the Midwest. I just, I, this is a different Kentucky team this year. Yeah. So I go with them. And then the team that I have talked up all year out of the, out of the West, it's Texas Tech mm-hmm. going to the final four. Lock it in for your brackets. That's going to be the final four. I guarantee it. No. Nah. What if it's all ACC? You see Irvine, Elite Eight. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here first. So you think Syracuse, Syracuse or Syracuse Florida State Syracuse is always going? good to make a... They're, they're annoyingly good in the tournament for how they terrible are. they are on the rest of the season. That 2-3 zone. It's anno- yeah. it's, they're annoyingly good at it. I, they, they they, they're going to beat Gonzaga. They could, oh. win, they could win 17 games, somehow get a bid, yeah. and win four games of the tournament. Yeah. It's, it's gonna it ha- makes no sense. Listen, they did it last year. So. Yeah, exactly. And then when in 2016, they were in the Final Four. I, I have a friend. Oh, Ollie, actually. Ollie <laughs> took Syracuse to make the Final Four. This year? No, a year when oh, they were okay. an 11 seed. <laughs> and it happened. That, of course. Yeah, a few yeah. years ago. That was 2016. Obnoxious. 2016. Uh, yeah. I, I don't like that. No, Syracuse the tournament team. So it'll be a fun tournament. Everything kicks off on Thursday afternoon, 12-10 tip. Again, Villanova, 7-20 on Thursday night. And we'll be back to wrap up uh, week one. or Yeah, week one of the tournament next Monday. Mm-hmm. We have breaking news. Blake Bortles is at LA Ram. Just came across my phone. So Blake's going. That's at LA. Blake Bortles great news. LA Ram. And you know what? That's a perfect, perfect segue. Whoa! We are going to break, and then we're talking NFL. So this is Ron Shipper on 89.1. Conrad stopped coughing, and we'll be right <laughs> back. Back here on Round Tripper, getting into NFL. It was a big week in the NFL last week. Conrad doesn't even have his mic near him. He has just checked out on the show. He doesn't want to get caught for coughing again. He's he's nervous now. We got him. We got him thinking. Ding ding ding. He gave me a little finger gun. <laughs> so moving into even before free agency, we'll just start with transactions. The big news of last week. The biggest news of last week. Odell Beckham's a Cleveland Brown. Would anyone like to to get into that, or do you just want me to go? I feel like you should go into it because you seem pretty upset after. It <laughs> do, you, do you think I was upset on Tuesday night? Just a little bit. My thing with Odell. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I I have no real point. I don't know why the Giants <laughs> traded him, but I really don't. <laughs> so, OBJ to Cleveland for the 17th pick in the first round, a third rounder, Jabril Peppers, and they also did uh, Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zietler, which I actually really like that deal. But I guess here's the thing: if you're the Giants looking to trade, uh, looking to trade Odell. What you got for him isn't bad, but you're never going to get Odell in return. That's yeah. why you don't trade Odell and in the first place. And that was my top point, is that you will never match the production that Odell Beckham mm-hmm. gave you. Can't, you. I mean, you, you, like, you can't. Like, NFL doesn't work that way. Like, you, no. you cannot do it. No, you, you cannot match the production that Beckham produced as your number one ri- wide receiver, especially for if you're going to stick with Eli Manning. Manning does not have the deep ball as a part of his uh, repertoire anymore. Beckham is a perfect catch and run. Receiver. He he's broken the third most tackles in the NFL since he came into it. Fun fact: number one, Golden Tate is now a New York Giant. So, but with that signing doesn't exactly that doesn't make sense either. Make, after the, the the one thing that yeah. I, with the Giants they have established through all of this is they've given you clarity that they are in every sense of the world punting on this season yeah. and and they're going after either quarterback this year, next year, or you punt for two years and you get Trevor <laughs> Lawrence, which is my theory from the beginning. That was your theory. Odell. That was your theory. But, yeah, you're not getting the emotion out of me that was on Tuesday night because that was just it was not good that that night. But I, st- I do think it's the wrong choice for the Giants. I understand what they're thinking here in that they're getting a second first-round pick, a third-rounder, Jabril Peppers. That's, you would think, three starters there. A third-rounder yeah. usually starts. Mm-hmm. They, get, they got $5 million in cap space for this year from training Beckham. You can sign a pretty serviceable player for that. Could be a fourth starter. If anything, it's a rotation player. So you're filling four spots with the Beckham deal, especially bringing in Tate to now fill that void as a number one receiver. But still, I think it's a mistake. You signed him to a five-year, $90 million extension in August. He was here. 
he was here. He, he, it was up to the team if they wanted to move on, and they decided, Gettleman decided to move on. And I just, I don't agree with it. Players like that don't come around every year, every couple years even. People were saying that he was a head case, that he was a head case in the locker room. But and he was, a, I, he was one of those diva receivers. I get that. He's there's not a Antonio lot of diva, Brown. There's a lot of diva receivers in this which league we'll get that to. have. A, if you're gonna get a good receiver, you, it's gonna be a diva receiver. That's most, that's how wide the harsh reality are. of the the wide receiver position is. Yeah. When you're this flashy guy who like yeah. makes all these big numbers, these crazy catches, that's kind of what the that's lot of these guys. Unless be. your name is Larry Fitzgerald, but he's the outlier. Yeah. Ever so. I mean, you look at Randy Moss. But Randy Moss before he got to the Patriots, he was this. Crazy diva. I mean, I guess like whatever. Like the Patriots have like their own kind of way of yeah. sheltering that as best they can. But a lot of these top guys, like like Randy Moss, goes down as one of the best receivers ever, and he was an absolute diva. Oh yeah, yeah. So Odell Beckham is is in that class to an extent. He's not. He's not. He's not. Doesn't have the numbers to back it all up yet. But in terms of his skill level and his production so far, Odell Beckham's right there with some of the all time greats. Exactly, and some of the stuff he does, like on the field or on the bench during games. Yes, he is drawing attention to himself, and it's not great stuff. But it's showing you that he wants to win because all of his antics come when they're losing because Eli Manning could not throw the ball to him because Eli Manning's Watch not it. the Watch great anymore. Choice. Wash. Well, he was always washed. He's never been good. He's been bad. Yeah. He's been carried every single year. They've, they've been decent. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> and they were terrible both <laughs> years. Yeah. I, I'm with Matt on that one. Famer. <laughs> That's all right. Brown went to Oakland. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, I'm still crying about Odell because they're – they're going to repeat yeah. that deal. But listen, if they use those picks correctly, rebuild gets, goes a little faster. So that's where you look at it, but it's still a mistake. And it's it, it's, it's also it's tanking mistake. in the NFL is just it's not really done because you can't you're not going to get players to buy in the same way. Like it's going to they're going to somehow they're going to they're going to mess up tanking because that's I feel like that's just what's going to happen. Like, also, the thing with tanking is that it's like. It's not really tanking. It's more of just you need a quarterback. Yep. Yeah. You know, like a lot of teams are really good in this league and the, the NFL. They're going to end up in a spot to get a quarterback no matter what they do with Odell, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. And the, yeah, the thing is, like, a lot of teams are really, really talented. But if you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you look at those Cardinal teams when Carson Palmer, um, Carson Palmer went down a few years ago. They yep. were still, they were teams that were playoff teams are really, really good. Carson Palmer gets injured and they're in the, the top five like draft pick. Or yeah. You know? So it tells you the value of a quarterback, and that's really what it comes down to. Exactly. And so, as you said, too, Antonio Brown sent packing from Pittsburgh to Oakland. So the Steelers, in return, got a third and a fifth round pick for the most productive receiver in the league the last couple of years. But it was very clear that this relationship was not going to be able to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, Antonio Brown just wanted basically to be paid more, um, and he was going to get... I guess he chose where he wanted to go because there was the rumors about going to the Bills. One night, that morning, you wake up, that's all squashed. He re- refused to go or something. He refused yeah, to go. Play for Buffalo. But somehow going to <laughs> the Raiders is a, is a, is a better choice because you're not going to win there. But Ouch. he got but their team is terrible. He also is getting a new contract in Oakland. That's the thing. He got the new contract. No, no years tacked on, by the way, just a pay raise. Well, he's getting 30 mil guaranteed where his previous contract had zero guaranteed left on it. So, I mean, that's a win for him. But what's he going to do when they inevitably start like one and four? Um, I don't I, think I do like the move I don't for think Oakland just because yes. oh, for Oakland, it's, it's worth a they're, shot. They're a team that are, that's building a new identity and they need a star player other than Derek Carr, who you would I'm, argue is good and maybe not star. I'm not sure player. Gruden loves him. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not sure John Gruden loves him. You need, you need someone to fill the seats and you need, you need someone to make, the, make fans want to come to the game. And Antonio Brown is that guy. Yep, and then I have under my notes for Antonio Brown in Oakland, disaster waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. Something's going to yeah. happen. Oh, absolutely. They're, cause they're not going to win. He's going to be furious they're not winning. Exactly. It, it's going to be Pittsburgh, but 10 times worse. Because they're not, cause they're not winning, and Gruden's bad. not going to know how to control them. And, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be bad. No, nah, this is not going to end pretty. All right, so the and Jets. he's got guaranteed he's money get, now. So he does, yeah. Even worse, he's not, not going to feel about anything he says because he's getting paid. He's getting paid 30 mil. Yeah, so that's going to be a train wreck. The Jets made some splashes last week. C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell to New York. I'll start with, I love it for the Jets. I really do. They're very clearly, they've got their, as Matt was talking about, they've got their quarterback in place. Mm-hmm. They're starting to build Brown, uh, Bell. Like, yes, he sat out this year, and no, I do not agree with the decision. But if you look at his production, his production has basically been unmatched by any other running back in the league the last couple of years. He has been the best running back in the league, especially you look at now as a receiver option for Darnold. 
that's going to be huge. Takes pressure off of him there as, as a dump off. Not only a dump off, but someone that is split. I think he was split out wide for around 20% of his snaps the last season that he played. So he plays a legitimate wide receiver position. The running game gets so much better. The bell signing is huge for the Jets. And I know running yeah. backs don't get that much that much press anymore, but it really was. And then CJ Mosley as well. Absolute stud of a middle linebacker to get inserted into that middle of Adam Gase's defense. Now it has been spectacular for the Ravens. Got absolutely paid, we'll say that, but he's been fantastic in Baltimore. I would say the Jets are trying to do to a certain extent what the Rams did in terms of um Jared Goff, get him Todd Gurley behind him, get the star players around him and work from there. Sure. The Jets, you can you can make you can make an argument they got Le'Veon Bell, same exact thing that the Rams are doing. They got CJ Mosley. They're getting some star power on that defense, and they're also taking a new turn with their new coaching hire. I heard that he's he's more of an offensive minded guy, from, yeah. which is very different than what the Jets have been in the past in the past decade, basically. Yep. Which is very it's been a, all defense guys. Defensive minded mm-hmm. team. So now they're they're go, moving towards offense, and it's good move for them. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's a it's a good move. Um, definitely, the Jets got better through this. Um, we'll see how Adam Gase is able to work through all of that because. I don't know how he's he's gonna be as head coach, but then just one thing to bring Bell maybe a little bit bit back down to earth is that in Pittsburgh that was a primary with uh, Big Ben uh, under center, primarily a passing offense with what they had outside with Juju Smith Schuster and um, Antonio Brown, um, and it was really Bell was able to thrive because they had those options out wide and a quarterback that could get it done. So you don't have to put eight people in the box, yeah. and you gotta gotta make them run the ball against exactly. the entire. Defense. And now with the Jets, um, till Darnold really is able, he's he's shown good stuff in his first year, but until he's able to truly uh, show that he's capable of making all the passes and that they have wide receivers that are able to catch that ball, mm-hmm. I think it is going to be a little different for Bell, and I don't know if you can expect that really high production right off the bat because no, I think but you can the expect- matchup's going to be different. Yeah. Um, that being said, I still, I, I mean, I love the signing by the Jets, but I think you have to taper the expectations a little bit with that. You can um, expect Le'Veon Bell to be a really good player regardless. Yes. You can put up the same numbers. You can't expect yeah. that. Obviously, it's a different system and everything exactly. like that. Yeah, fair. And then let's just skip to the last one there because it's kind of intriguing. Nick Foles to the Jaguars, their new starting quarterback. Got, again, absolutely paid to go down mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. Bortles' arrow is over. He gets, Foles now gets to be the guy at a franchise. What do we think? I would love to see Nick Foles play well and really succeed in Jacksonville, but I'm, I, it makes me nervous. Yeah, I'm with yeah. You. Because he, we've seen him being a starter before in the NFL. He's a starter on the Rams. And Granted, was, under Jeff Fisher, who Jeff Fisher's uh, proven to have really great quarterbacks and not not do, perform up to their standards. Yeah, we've had we've talked plenty of Jeff Fisher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's no need to bring that up. But Nick Foles was not a great starter, right? Yep. Goes to the Eagles. Doug Peterson is his new savant guru mm-hmm. of an offensive coordinator play caller and turns the Eagles into the Super Bowl winning team at, on based on entire offense. And while Nick Foles was obviously spectacular, it's like a lot of coaching puts you in the right system and turn putting you into the right scheme to be successful. A lot of players in the NFL are scheme based. They're not there's not very many players you can pick up from one team, put on a different team, and they're gonna be equally as productive. Sure. Very few players in the league that can do that. Odell Beckham Jr. Might be one of those players. Rub salt in the wound. Which is there you go. Which is why the Giants again. I don't know why they traded him, but whatever. Who um, who'd Nick Foles beat in the Super Bowl? I forgot. No, nah, he beat Brady, but oh, okay. Brady also had like fifty points in that game. No one stopped <laughs> very, anyone hey, on defense. Brady set the record for. Yeah, no one stopped anyone on defense in that game. I want to see Nick Foles succeed, but Jacksonville has shown me nothing that they know what they're doing with quarterbacks and don't know how to do with offense in order to make quarterbacks and put quarterbacks into the best position to succeed. So I hope for the guy. I hope he plays well, but but we'll see. I think he absolutely deserves a shot as a starter. I, he deserves a shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with Matt for the most part that he he definitely deserves a start a starting position, and to be paid like a starter, which he is in Jacksonville. But Doug Peterson is a really good offensive minded coach and kind of a QB whisperer. At least that's what he's uh, uh kind of said to be, and I think that really paid into Nick Foles' hands when he was only asked to start a couple of games. Um, you saw how the Eagles kind of started the year with Nick Foles, knowing that he was coming out of training camp being the starter while Carson West was still recovering. Um, and he he wasn't that same Nick Foles that led them to the Super Bowl and led them at, towards the later half of last season. But he definitely deserves the spot. But I, I don't know if you could replicate that success again in Jacksonville for him. But, I mean, I want to see him do do well there because... 
he deserves it after what he's been through as a backup through all these teams. Uh, he, yeah. he should have some success starting uh, for his team. Um, but I, I just, I don't know if I see it happening. Yeah. What he's been through in the NFL, everyone wants to mm-hmm. see him succeed. I don't think you can't name, I can't, could name one person on this planet that wouldn't want to see Nick Foles be successful after everything he's done for the Philadelphia Eagles. Pass one of those people. Yeah, I might you, do, you don't want to see him be successful? No, I, I do want to see him be no, successful. No, yeah, okay. I, I don't. Okay. I, I think the money's a lot, and I don't think it's going to work out great in Jacksonville. Matt just, Stafford got paid a boatload yeah. to do some more playoff That's, that's just what the market is. What, I, I know the Matt money's Stafford a lot. That's just what the not market, good. That's what the no, market is. No, Matt Stafford is the classic put up stats but don't win type quarterback. But, but what you touch on with Foles is what makes me nervous is the systems are so different from Philadelphia to Jacksonville. Jacksonville did not change coaches. Doug Marone is still there. <laughs> They are not a spread offense of, of where up tempo offense. They run by the ball at any means. Times a game. So I don't know how that's going to fit in. Now I hope that Foles can adjust to that, but I don't have super high hopes for that because it is so. It's not just a different system; it is a completely different system there. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. If Jacksonville can kind of recreate the formula they had two years ago with great defense and a better offense now, led by Foles, they could be dangerous next year. But we will see. All right, we'll throw it one more break, and then we've got miscellaneous and Nova Nation. This is Round Shipper on WXVU, and we'll be right back. Any type of meat sausage from Poland. Would you like to repeat that for everyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about a kielbasa, or K-I-E-L-B-A-S-A. Kielbasa. Kielbasa? You said kielbasa. sausage from Poland? Yeah, yeah it, 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 on, it says it's a, a kielbasa is any type of meat sausage from Poland and a staple of Polish cuisine. I'd try it. It's really good. I was looking up memes to play on the air when we got back, and I stumbled upon a kielbasa video on YouTube instead, so it got me curious. Do you think Bird can kick, can cook a kielbasa? Probably overcook it, and it wouldn't be any good. That's yep. true. That's true. That's he, he just burns it. He just burns the outside to make it crispy, and the whole thing is just a hockey puck. Uh, Megan said, "This is not how you say kielbasa." How do you how do you, well, how do you pronounce Megan, it? Megan, please type. Oh, it's kielbasi. Kabasi? Kabasi. How call in? How call in? Megan, you calling in? Yeah, tell Megan to call in. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll continue and she'll call in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, get that. Wow, I've thrown off. Going into miscellaneous, MLB season is 10 days away. So, we're going to do some <clears throat> over unders because that's fun. Mm-hmm. We'll start with Matthew's team right there, the Boston Red Sox, 94 and a half. Over. Why? They're good. Conrad. Know. Under. Whoa. <laughs> Under. I think they go under, too. I'm not sure the pitching staff's there, and I have a feeling they're going to... The sales probably not going to pitch as many... Well, sales didn't even pitch that many innings this year, uh, this past year, but you feel like they're tr- starting to watch his shoulder, especially um, with that free agent year coming up. Sale might want to shut down a little more, so... Okay, you, honestly, you want to know why, why I said over? Yes. It's because on this thing, the Mets says you have been winning 85 and a half. And Under. Boston is definitely winning more than nine games in the Mets. Therefore, they have to be over because the Mets are probably going to be around there. I feel like I just got ambushed. I'm James Dolan right there. <laughs> that hurt. You got to kick him out? <laughs> yeah, he's banned now. Chicago, Chicago Cubs, 87 and a half. Do it. Under. Yes. <laughs> the division just got so much better. And they added and they nobody. Added nobody. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, way under. That's, way way under. Whoa, 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 That's whoa. the easiest one you've put on the list. I think boss was the easiest one. Nine four is a lot of games. No, I just four and a half for the Bean Town. No, adds more. The Cubs are still the Cubs. Yeah, they haven't won anything in yeah. 106 years or whatever. Oh, it was. No, they Two won, years they, ago, they won freshman year. Remember? No, yeah, no. I, other than that, they <laughs> no. won 107. That's years. fact. Yeah. Other than that, you won nothing. Yeah, so you won. What? You get one every 106. Good for you. I'm Blind proud of squirrel you. finds a nut, dude. <laughs> yeah. Every All right. Years. All right. Let's go to the Mets under. Under. Over. 85 and a half under. That's under. grossly too many. Rob Cano's going to get hurt. Second game <laughs> up like for 10, the year. Going to be terrible. 10 under that. <clears throat> Mets finish with 89 wins. Nope. And go to the postseason. Nope. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's false. No. <laughs> no. No. The Reds. I want some, I want some of the under. water you're drinking, Pat. <laughs> this is water, I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Reds, no, I don't 79. Think so. Under. Under. Way over. There's still the Reds. No, no, nah, there's still the Reds. Have you seen their logo? Terrible. 85. Exactly. 84 to 85. Have you seen their logo? I have seen their logo. How many do you think the Cubs are winning? 83. 84. Right. My thing is, if you're on a team that doesn't have a cool logo, like what inspires you to play? Exactly. You know? Or or cool uniforms. The yeah, Reds don't have what, cool uniforms like, either. Historic uniforms, like what inspires you to play? I think I've lost all control over this. <laughs> New segment. York Mets, it's an N and a Y. Yeah. Uh, who who cares? You have you played for two letters. Great job. Red Sox, two Red Sox. Sick. The Cubs? The Cubs, is the most iconic single letter, single consonant there is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> All right, let's go to the Orioles. 59 and a half under. under. I don't know why, but the Orioles suck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Orioles are terrible. I actually, so yes, if you've ever heard of an over under at 59 and a half, I have not heard of one that low. And I still think they might go under. <laughs> so they're going to win 17. Oh, now that's I, no, they're not. They're not. They're, they're, yeah, they're not good, though. That you luck into 17. Why'd you put the Orioles on this list? Because it's fun because they're 59 and a half. And I think we all still said under. Yeah, we all still said under. All right, Champions League final eight are set. Under. No, that's oh, not. No, this no, is no, a different no, segment. No, no, different, different, different. Eight teams, they all play. The two teams play each other. <laughs> that's how this works now. Yeah. Under. Man U versus Barca. Over. All right, my thing with these matchups, like, yeah. I understand it's random, but like Man U and Barca, crazy good matchup. Yeah. Juve versus Ajax, Juve's yeah. going to steamroll them. Liverpool versus Porto, Porto's going to get steamrolled. Yeah, you say that. That's right. Tottenham versus City is a good matchup. playing United. They could be playing Porto. Tottenham City's fun. You got an all-English affair there. I do think you're right. I think your Final Four is going to end up being Barca, City, Juve. And Liverpool. And the boys. And then I would say that I got Juve and... No, they're not going to make it. And Barca. I got Juve and Barca in the final. Liverpool Juve final coming up. Just wait. Just wait. Anything I'm out of waiting. you? You told me to wait. I, I'm waiting. But he's had a mess. It's just, him, so. uh, my God. It's been, I don't know why you pay him. It's unbelievable. I, he, I get paid for this? He's got, yeah. He's getting a pay cut now. I'll tell yeah. you that. You're getting a pay raise. He's getting a pay cut. Since when was I getting paid for this? You get, you're down yeah. to two. Rations. Yeah. <laughs> Rationing Tootsie Rolls. I don't even get touchy rolls. Where you you get touchy rolls? For this? He signed a contract for for, for for something, and you're not giving him anything. Uh, we, yeah, that's like, not giving me you, anything. You can't talk about this on the air. It's like fraud or no, something. No, no, no. You could <laughs> put in prison for that. You could be like um the fire seen. the fire festival guy. What's his name? Uh, uh, Billy. Billy. What's Billy, his last name? Mick. Billy McFarlane. 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 Either way, you're like Billy McFarlane. And Ja Rule. And Ja, ja Rule <laughs> performs the Bucks game. That was hilarious. Hey, Ja Rule's not in prison. So Somehow. Philly is. There you go. But I, I will strive to not. Yeah, so Pat, you like that Billy, Billy game. The, yeah. The yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to talk to my, my agent about me actually getting my tattoo. I don't know who's your agent because my agent's hooking me up nice. Man. Yeah, my guy sucks. That's the second time you've used that word on I'm this radio show. You can't yeah, that's, you, you, you are getting, uh, it's, your pay's been decreased. I'm what? What is wrong with that word? So, Rory won the players at 16 under. It's good for Rory. Rory, Rory needs to win something. So, good, some good to see Rory getting on track. You know, Masters coming up. You talk about Tiger's 70 took. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> on a part three, Island Green dunked it twice, twice. in the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had five birdies on the day, too. So, just completely wiped them out with one hole. If he, if he didn't do that, he's what? He finishes at what is that? Uh, 10 under. Finish the ten under. If you're at ten under, you tell me you're not gonna try a little bit harder on like mm. the last Sunday, something like that. Yeah. So that that one that one was brutal. It's kind of, kind of a disaster, and uh, unfortunately, we do not have a bird. What's the word? He let us down this week. Very disappointing. Samuel, I know you're listening. Well, he'll listen on the podcast. Yeah. At least that's what he tells me. Well, we'll find out now. <laughs> Absolutely. So we will get into around the Nova Nation, starting off with the most important one. Uh, the men's league softball team lost in our intramural the game men's before league. these. You mean like our men's league our, team? Our men's league team lost. Yeah, our softball yeah, we, team. We lost like 12-5. Um, I got a hit. Then forfeit. You did. That hit. You made contact? I made contact every time. I had a rope to center field. It was just right at the guy. So that was, <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching film on on today's game, right? Yeah. And um, one of the prospects, or I mean, he's a rotation guy now on the um, on our team, on the on our men's league team. Um, he's already been hitting the cages all offseason. Like, was really working on this game. Like, taking taking BP, the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. right? Was gonna play well. Yep. First at bat, a little dribbler about three feet thrown out. I don't know who it was, but I was watching oh. film and I saw someone do that. So. That's tough. It wasn't me. He's been my- talking himself up a lot. Saad told me. He's been talking himself up a lot. He didn't come through and it mattered. Oh, is, does he happen to be one of your roommates? I don't know. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he did get a base hit down the third baseline. I know you're listening, Jordy. Um, I mean, it was basically a, <laughs> it was basically a bunt, but it did not make it to third base, but Jordy beat it out. So let's go, Jordy. Oh, boy. Yeah. So 
Jordan Chicarone, the legendary. Hey, listen, softball star, not softball. Is Megan calling in for this sausage? No, she let thing? us down. She let us down. That's unbelievable. Yeah. She's not getting paid. And now she just texted me. She was somewhat right. So that means she, can she call and like? Pretty sure I'm right. Unreal. You're unreal. Unreal. All right, so on to women's lacrosse, a one and one week, a sixteen to eight win over Army, and a fourteen thirteen loss to Maryland. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's tough. Men's lacrosse, a seventeen to seven loss to Maryland. So Ooh. Maryland beat us twice. Thank you for that analysis. And finally, we have a pen race for track this weekend. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's right. I run in that. No way. I was a little confused. It's a, it's an off day. So yeah, yeah. Opening the outdoor season at UPenn this weekend. There's going to be, um, it's, uh, it's a smaller meet just to get the legs going. Um, get used to running outside again. Uh, UPenn's going to be there. Um, I think LaSalle's going to be there. UConn's going to be there for women. St. John's will be there. Army will be there. Um, it's a good one just to 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 start the year. See see where everybody's at after um, indoors and kind of. At least the the biggest thing is kind of the hurdlers and the steeplechase guys are finally getting to actually do their event. And same with javelin and more of the throws. They're starting to actually do their outdoor events. So that'll be interesting to see how everybody starts the year. And hopefully it's on the way to backing up a Big East indoor with the Big East outdoor. That's going to end up in New York at the end of the semester. And there you go. So that's our show. Any final thoughts there? I just stumbled upon upon this video on YouTube. This guy put 350 packs of Pop Rocks in a bowl. 14,000 calories. I don't know what he did with it. But that's wild. That's unbelievable. So, yeah, make sure you check that out and (laughs) call into the show next week for your your reaction. 14,000 calories in Pop Rocks. That's a lot of Pop Rocks. (laughs) Look at this. Oh, my God. This is hashtag bad radio right now, but we can see There's it. There's like is... 15 boxes of Pop Rocks. Yeah, that, that's oh quite my... impressive. Oh, he's eating it. Oh, my God. He's eating it. Oh. <laughs> how far does he get? He's timing himself. Hold on. Hold on. He got, dude, he made it to like no debt. It took 30 minutes. made no progress. This show has completely devolved, but I hope Matt, everyone's Matt Stoney is his name. It actually posted today three hours ago. Hey, there you go. It already so, has 400,000 views. Great. this guy? Breaking news there. So our shout-outs again, Connor, Jules, Shan, Jordy, Megan, Rebecca, Joe, Birdstall. Again, happy birthday, Fiona, Mom, Dad, Bears, Woods, Moyes, Marie, Joe, Johnny, everyone that is listening. Thank you so much. You can check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Just search Round Tripper. This episode will go up tomorrow morning when I'm done editing it. Connor, what are your thoughts on the Bachelor season finale? It was rough. It was a very interesting way to end the season. All right, that's enough. So, Pat, this you is ever play t- Minesweeper? No. I wish you had. I don't know how to play. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, I don't really know how to play. We'll, we'll figure it out for next week, and then we'll report back. So thank oh, you. Now that the bachelor's over, everybody watch Barry Cavallari. Jay Cutler's on it. Great show. Cut off that microphone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Again, wrap up NCAA tournament and go through everything else that's happening in the world of sports. I'm Pat Zhang, alongside Matt Wood and Conrad. Oh, fun Bayer. fact, last thing. Uh, you know that guy on the 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 football guy DK whatever his name was. The Metcalf, combine? Yeah, Metcalf. yeah, he's like 1.6 percent body fat. Uh, fun fact. We don't. No one thinks it's true. One one point six percent body fat is unhealthy, and you don't look like that. You look like you have straight. It's all muscle. Like he has some sort of skin on him at least. So we've got body fat truthers and Kyler Murray height truthers at uh, at the <laughs> in the <laughs> NFL this year. Yep. So that makes that up again. This is Round Chipper. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening, and go Cavs.